Welcome to Pardes Daily, where you get your daily dose of Torah with Pardes faculty. This time, Pardes is bringing Pesach to you. Let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone. This is Michael Hatton from Alon Shvut, Israel. And today we are continuing with our Exodus podcasts. Last time we spoke about the heroism of the midwives. And this time we will be considering the birth of Moshe, of Moses, at the beginning of Exodus chapter 2. The Torah reports, Vayelech ish mi Beit Levi, Vayikach et Bat Levi, a man of the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. She became pregnant and bore a child. And Vatera Otoki Tovhu, she saw how beautiful he was, and she hid him for three months. We note, of course, in keeping with the earlier centrality of names in the account, that once again, the protagonists in this part of the story are introduced anonymously. We do not learn the father's name, nor the mother's name. We do not learn the sister's name. We will not learn the name of the daughter of Pharaoh. All of these characters in the story of Moshe's birth and preservation are only mentioned anonymously, whereas Moshe is, of course, the only one who's actually given a name in the section. So in keeping with the earlier idea that names are about significance, permanence, and eternity, clearly, since the focus here is on the birth of the child, Moshe, who will lead the people out of Egypt, that is why his name is given prominence, whereas the other names are not. Even though, of course, we will find out the name of Moshe's father and mother and sister later on in Sefer Shmot in chapter 6. At Moshe's birth, we are told in verse number 2, Vatera oto ki tovhu, translated, she saw how beautiful he was. But of course in Hebrew, the expression ki tovhu, that he was goodly, recalls an earlier moment in the Torah, Vayar elokim et haor ki tov, God saw the light that it was good. And here once again, she saw him that he was good, literally. Clearly, this is some sort of an intimation of something positive and optimistic, an intimation of salvation and redemption. Or as Rashi puts it, when Moshe was born, the entire house was filled with light, again, drawing on that reference, Kitovhu. She could no longer hide him in verse number three after she had hidden him for three months. And so she prepares a basket for him, places him in it, and he is securely placed in the reeds on the shores of the Nile River. Verse number four, his sister stood from a distance to see, to learn what would befall him. And then in verse number five, the moment comes. The verse reports, Pharaoh's daughter came to wash at the Nile, the end of verse number five, 
Vatikacheha. She spied the basket among the reeds. She sent her slave girl to fetch it. So the daughter of Pharaoh notices the basket in the Nile, nestled among the reeds, and she sends her slave girl in order to fetch it to see, in fact, what it is. But the text reports in Hebrew, at the end of verse number five, she sends her slave girl, literally, becomes and the Midrash here has a fantastical reading where the Midrash suggests that the word her maidservant or her slave girl with a very slight variation, which is to say to put a dagesh into the mem, amata, amashela, could be construed to mean her forearm. She sent forth her forearm and she fetched the basket. Or as the Midrash reads it, nishtarbeva yada amot harbe, miraculously, her arm was extended many cubits in length, even though she's far away from the child, she's far away from the basket, she is able to retrieve it. Clearly, this image of an arm being extended is one that will come up later in the story explicitly when God is described on numerous occasions of employing Yad Chazaka and Zroa Nituya, a strong hand and an outstretched arm in order to extricate his people from Egyptian bondage. So the implication here is, frankly, that the daughter of Pharaoh is actually the instrument for God to intervene in the story, which is in fact the case, because it is through her efforts that Moshe will be preserved, of course, to one day remove his own people, from slavery as well. There is a subtext in all of this, of course, which is as much as Pharaoh is determined to neutralize the threat to his empire, that threat will emerge through the agency of his own daughter, who will bring that child home and raise that child in her father's palace, unbeknownst to him, to become the savior of the people of Israel. We might summarize and say that the theme indicated by that fact is one which occurs with frequency in Tanakh. We might call it the divine will cannot be thwarted. Pharaoh's daughter opens the basket She has mercy on the child in verse number six. The child's sister, who was watching from a distance, approaches and offers to secure a wet nurse, a Hebrew nurse, to suckle the child. Pharaoh's daughter agrees, and now the child's own mother is brought in order to serve as his wet nurse. And receives compensation for her efforts. So, as it were, there is a miraculous reshuffling of the deck. The mother who surrendered her child now is reunited with her child, this time is compensated for her efforts in raising the child, 
and will do so under the aegis of Pharaoh's daughter, which is to say he will be safe. And then, pathetically, she must surrender her child again to his new mother, the daughter of Pharaoh. Verse number 10 relates, Vayigdal hayeled, the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter who made him her son. She named him Moses, explaining, Ki min hamayim mishitihu, I drew him out of the water. This is, of course, a striking conclusion to this part of the story. We learn, first of all, as I said, Moshe is the only character in the short story to be named explicitly. And most astonishingly and amazingly, his enduring name, Moshe, is actually one that is assigned to him, not from his Hebrew birth mother, but from his adoptive, adoptive Egyptian mother, who gives him that name. What an incredible testament to her good deed, to her kindness, and to her mercy. Through his efforts, Moshe will be preserved, and that will be the name by which he is known forever. In spite of the fact that in all probability, his Hebrew mother had given him a Hebrew name before that point. Sephorno adds one more additional dimension, which is absolutely thought-provoking. He says the child is named Moshe because he was drawn out of the water. To be drawn out is to be passive. And really the name should have been the passive form, which is Mashui. But Moshe, says Sephorno, is an active form, as if to say, this child's destiny was not simply to be drawn out of the water, but to draw others out as well, to take the people out of Egypt. Moshe's greatness is not simply that he was saved, but that he then grows up to devote his life to saving others. Thank you to our Pardes faculty. And a big thanks to you, our learners. Make sure to check back in every day to stay on track with your learning. And visit www.pardes.org.il for more information about other ways to learn with Pardes.